to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today's topic is On Earth As It Is In Heaven. And it's part three of a series we've done here at the Wisdom Podcast. And it will probably be our final installment of this topic. Although I could honestly say that you could use this title, On Earth As It Is In Heaven, for probably most things that we'll talk about here on the podcast. But what I wanted to do today is recap the last couple weeks just briefly and then get into our final portion and then round us out. So the first week with this topic, we just talked about learning to recognize the voice of God and the culture of heaven is different than earth. And just because we use Christian language or we use spiritual language doesn't mean we actually understand the ways and culture of heaven. And I'm not trying to be weird with that statement. I just mean if Jesus said pray on earth as it is in heaven, then there must be a way that heaven operates relationally. God is the source. Uh, The people that are there, it's just different. It's a different environment. And I believe it's God's desire that that this earth would actually reflect and and look like that. And so that's what we talked about. Last week, um, we got into the topic of leadership and just talked about external appearances versus internal realities and how it's easy as people to look for things that really aren't as important as we might think, even though they may gather crowds, they may get people excited, but at the end of the day, it's what's going on inside people's hearts that really is evidence of transformation. And what I wanted to talk about today, a couple things, just the role of a leader, um, as well as just a fascinating portion of scripture that I've stumbled upon the last week or so and just been thinking about over and over again that I think directly links into what leadership is uh, in the kingdom of God. So I wanted to look at Matthew 20, 25 through 28 um, and just see something that Jesus said to his disciples that I think is a great picture of leadership in the kingdom of God. So verse 25 of chapter 20 of the book of Matthew says, Jesus called them together and said, now actually before I get there, let me maybe preface this. So right before what Jesus is about to say, we see um, the mother of the Zebedee sons, James and John, come to Jesus and say, hey, (laughs) if I can uh, make this happen, I'd love to see my son sit at your right and your left. And Jesus looks at her and says, listen, You don't even know what you're asking. He asked the sons, can you drink the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? Or can you drink the cup I'm going to be baptized with? Or I'm going to drink? And they say, of course we can. They have no idea what they're saying. (laughs) If if it's me, that's what I'm thinking as I'm reading this. It's like these guys don't know what they're saying. And then Jesus is just saying, you know, I didn't prepare or or those, those seats are not mine to give away. I didn't prepare them for you, James and John. But then he he transitions to contrast, I believe, the difference in the perspective of leadership from the way of the world and the way of the kingdom. So he's coming out of that conversation and he says this, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials 
exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know what's funny to me on this verse is, I mean, we use it all the time when talking about leadership or talking about our favorite buzzword in Christian circles, servant leadership, which I'm not saying is a bad word or we shouldn't use it or anything like that, but it's just overplayed at times. We're saying 25 different things when we use the term servant leadership. And a lot of times we say servant leadership from a perspective of top-down hierarchy. And really, I think what Jesus is challenging here is not necessarily just being gentle with our words, though I think that's a good thing. I mean, the scripture says, let your gentleness be evident to all. But I think he's actually challenging the hierarchical perspective of leadership. Because in the world, that is how it works. You got the guy at the top. He tells everybody what to do. He tells them, here's what your roles are. Here's what your job description is. Here's what needs to be done to get the whole thing moving forward. And we've got to move in the same direction. And this is how we do it. And we do it top down. We lord our authority over them. We exercise our authority over them. Um, and and it gets and it gets done. You know, I had a <laughs> I had a employment situation at one time where a a, a supervisor of mine jokingly said, um, "What do you guys want? Positive reinforcement?" And some of the team was saying, "Yeah, we'd like positive reinforcement." And he said, "Well, that doesn't work." He said, "What works is scaring you into getting the job done." He said, "I like you guys. We're friends, but hey." If I need to put pressure on you, I'm going to put pressure on you. We've, we've got to get the job done. And what's funny is I think most leaders would say, yeah, of course. Yeah, we want to be friendly. We want to love people, all that stuff. And I'm talking Christian leaders. But hey, there comes a point where the rubber meets the road and we got to get the job done. But my challenge to that thought is that's not what Jesus said. He said, don't do it like that. This is how the world works. This is how you see the kingdoms around you in operation. But I'm telling you, my kingdom is different. It's specifically different because whoever among you wants to actually be great, start by serving people. And then he says, if you want to be first, be a slave. You know what a slave is? They someone have no rights. Someone that doesn't get to call the shots. That's, it's not, what I'm not saying is the kingdom is about us getting kicked around in the name of being humble. That's not the point. But but the point is, we can have, I actually believe, and I'm going to balance what I'm about to say, because I'm not trying to come at anyone, but I actually think that we have more potential for impact, influence, and transformation without a position and without a title in the ministry world. Does that mean if you do have a title or you do have a position that now you're ineffective? Absolutely not. I am not saying that at all. My goodness, I have had the the title of lead pastor for years. But I've also watched people treat me differently as soon as they find out what I do. And they put me in a box, and now I'm working to get out of that box with them 
simply because their preconceived ideas of a pastor fit into a certain stereotype that I may or may not look like. But they don't know me well enough to know. I'll give you another example. I just A guy that I've been discipling for less than a year. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, he has a job in the marketplace. And he had a co-worker tell him, you know, if I was going to learn about the Bible and learn about God, I would rather learn about it with you than actually go to a pastor. He said, because I don't trust a pastor. Now, is that an indictment against pastors? No. All I'm trying to shine light on is, I think sometimes if we're not connected with the world that's different than our own in the church world or in the ministry world, we have preconceived ideas that when they get actually tested in the real world, don't hold up. I find a lot of people don't don't trust people in positions of authority. Now, maybe that comes from living in Portland, and it probably does to a degree. Um, but I've also realized that um, that there's just some thoughts that that left to myself or left to people that are around me, that think like me. Um, we all think that certain things are true, and then when you actually flesh that out amongst people that don't think like you do, you find out that you're dead wrong. It doesn't mean that what you believe is wrong, but it does mean what other people, what you think other people believe might not be what you think. That's why serving people, and that's why not claiming your rights among people them serving you is such a place of impact for the kingdom of God. It's how it works. And it's, it's, it's good news to the world. They see something different. So leadership in the kingdom is not an over-the-top controlling leadership, but it's an underneath living as a foundation to launch other people into their calling and destiny in God. It's interesting, Ephesians 2, talking about apostles and prophets, says that the apostles and prophets are foundations. It uses that term very specifically, I think. And if you really think about that, if you go into that idea and that thought of a foundation, and apostles and prophets, and in today's world, everyone wants to be an apostle and prophet. It's funny, kind of. But... If you think about a a foundation, and if we're saying apostles and prophets are the leaders of the church or leaders of movements or whatever, and they're the foundation of that movement, well, if you think about that word foundations, foundations are rarely seen, but they're always felt. You say that again. Foundations are rarely seen, but they're always felt. Let me ask you this. If you're a homeowner or you just live in a house, even if you rent it, when people come to your house, how many of them say, hey, can I look at your foundation? I just love to see the, the great work that was done. I, I don't think anyone's ever said that to me. And here's the reason why. Nobody thinks about it, but everyone understands that without it, the house won't stand. I think that's a great metaphor, honestly, for kingdom leadership. 
we become foundations. We become launching pads for other people into their calling and destiny in God. And the question is, well, how do we keep everyone moving in the same direction? Well, it's the same issue I see in the New Testament. It wasn't really about someone's vision. It was about making disciples as they went. If persecution came and they fled, well, that kind of busts a vision, busts an organization. But it doesn't bust a movement. It allows the movement to spread. If they were tent makers and working in cities, they it was a high place of commerce and traffic where they were meeting tons of people. Then Paul, a lot of times, he would other workers would come in and they would support his needs. So there is something to letting others support you in the work of the ministry. It's not either or. I think it's more both and than we realize. But being a foundation is different than being a ceiling or a roof. Being a foundation is getting underneath someone. Being a roof, metaphorically, everyone sees you. You're over everyone. And you contain what gets in and what gets out of the house. Being a foundation is different. Being a foundation is getting underneath people. And when we don't live to control other people's decisions, but we look to empower their identity and confront when they're operating outside of their identity... The sky's the limit. People can grow because they're not growing into a mold of a leader that's above them. They're growing organically as the leader that God has always intended them to be. There's a thousand different ways to lead. There's a thousand different personalities. That's a good thing. That's what you want. And then we trust the Holy Spirit and we learn to do relationship and confrontation and communication well to actually help those relationships go deeper and wider, have a deeper foundation, have more um, of a heart connection so that people are connected to one another and they're not operating solo. And the thing is, doing your own thing doesn't work very well, honestly. Because you actually start reproducing that. Anybody you try to rally to your thing, well, if you've just rejected the generation before you in the name of don't hold me down, um, you'll actually reproduce that in the followers that, that want or are passionate about the things you're passionate about. And so it's, it's, it's definitely more of an art than a science, I would say, leadership. There is something to honoring leaders and honoring those that have gone before you and learning and getting feedback and receiving input. But there's also something to being able to be your own expression and not having to look like the guy next to you, but honoring and appreciating that leader next to you. Uh, I just think the diversity that God... Um, has always thought about is amazing 
and when we actually don't want to be someone else, but just want to be who we actually are. Leadership is fun, empowering others is fun, and the kingdom of God advances, and it's awesome. Okay, the final thought that I want to give comes out of Matthew 5. Now, I've been meditating on this the last few days, and it is honestly just rocking me, but I think this gives uh, a great perspective of a different way of leading in the kingdom versus the world. And so Matthew 5, verse 43 says, You have heard it said, Love your enemies, I'm sorry, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. That can definitely be a challenging thought to think about sometimes. But I love this verse. And in the King James, it says it different. It says to love your enemies. It says to bless those who curse you. It says to do good to those who hate you. And then it says pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. (laughs) I mean, that is just weird, right? If we're being honest, that is so weird. But here's the thing. That's only weird when you live from a perspective of performance, When that's up to you to generate the motivation, to generate the emotions, to generate the ideas, to love people that way, then you're right. That's hard, it's awkward, it's weird. But when you realize the grace of God has already changed you, you're a new creation in Christ, guess what? What this verse is, is telling you how you now function, and operate as a kingdom person. You are now able to agape those that maybe call themselves enemies. Unconditional love towards those that would call themselves enemies of you. You are now able to bless those who curse you. And you know what? That word bless, it means to cause to prosper. Think about that. I've just gotten so excited with that thought. Think about what if we dreamed with God about helping people prosper that actually spend their time thinking about how they can curse us. (laughs) Well, that would be different, right? Or what about doing good to those who hate you? And one of the nuances of that phrase, do good, uh, can mean... So this is one meaning of multiple meanings. It can mean to speak well of those who hate you. What if you spoke well of people that didn't like you and and, and actually to the point of hating you? That would be different than what people are used to. And then pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. You know, it's funny The reason that Jesus can say, I think, to 
to love your enemies is because he doesn't have enemies from his perspective. He's already said, you're not my enemy. I'm not going to treat you that way. And in the book of Romans, Paul says to, to be kind towards those that resist you or that don't like you. And it's like heaping hot coals upon their head. There's something about kindness that stops people dead in their tracks. They don't know what to do. And to me, as leaders, which I believe everyone in the body of Christ is a leader at some level, this is a way that we demonstrate the kingdom of God is different. It's not like the world. It doesn't take advantage of people. It doesn't capitalize on people's weaknesses in the sense of exploiting people and embarrassing them. It covers people. We love people. We bless people. We look for ways to make them prosper. And in the process, what happens is God, through you, is demonstrating kindness. And the scripture says that kindness leads people to repentance. Well, hopefully you've seen again that this kingdom is different. And we can't necessarily take what success in the world looks like and superimpose that on the kingdom of God. God's ways are different. His thoughts are different. And as we see, think, and act like Him, we will demonstrate that difference to the world. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes. And iTunes will suggest this podcast to other listeners. Thanks, everyone, and take care.